0: Alright, welcome in and welcome back to the Running Hoots podcast. On location, from Fort Myers, Florida, and brought to you by Super Chicks, the home of the last true chicken sandwich. Thursday's turkey day, but every day is a great day to grab a chicken sandwich. Visit their website for their menu and locations at superchicks.com. And remember, it's chicks with an X On today's episode, we will recap the Running Hoots win in the Fort Myers tip-off against Georgia Tech, and we will look ahead to the title game against Mississippi State, and we'll spin you around the league to see how everyone else is doing in their MTEs. As always, I want to remind you that you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Runnin' Hoops. You can rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get a podcast, if they let you, and you can support the show on Venmo, at Runnin' Hoops. All right, well, let's get right to it. It wasn't pretty at times, but the running Utes were able to escape with a win. On Monday night over Georgia Tech, 68-64, Utah started the game on a 12-0 run, and it got up to 24-4 at one point. Georgia Tech charged back to close the gap to 36-28 at the half and then took the lead with 12.50 to go, holding it until about the 5.48 mark. The running Utes... Did not play great during that stretch, but Georgia Tech wasn't able to ever extend its lead beyond four points at any given time during this game. Utah regained the lead with 4:55 to go in the game and held on for the win. Gabe Madsen led the way for the run in Utes with 16 points, but only had one made three in the game. He was one for seven beyond the arc. And in the first half, when they were shooting in front of the Georgia Tech bench, Josh Pastner looked like he was trying to defend Madsen when he shot those corner threes. Brandon Carlson added 10 points and 7 rebounds. Marco Anthony had 11 points and 4 boards. And Raleigh Wooster and Lazar Stefanovic added 10 and 11 points, respectively. So, from a scoring perspective, the guys who played a ton of minutes really had a balanced effort in this game. More on that in a minute. Utah out-rebounded, out-shot, and out-free-throwed the Yellow Jackets on the evening, en route to their victory, so let's get to the good and the not-so-good from the night. Alright, the good. Let's start with the balanced attack. It was nice to see five guys in foot double figures. When you have a balanced attack like the running Utes did, the other team can't take away your best player the way that Sam Houston did, and then it's curtains. So very nice job from the guys that got the minutes in this game to have a really nice balanced attack there. The rebounding advantage. Georgia Tech is an athletic team, and they've got some dudes. Javon Franklin was really tough and was a problem. Inside had a couple of one-armed rebounds. And even so, Utah won that rebounding battle 45-35. to The start. Hard to argue with a 12-0 run and a 24-4 run to start the game, that's for sure. The comeback. You hate to see them give up such a big lead, obviously. And I think a lot of folks, including myself, might have been writing the eulogy for this game in their minds. But they hung around and they hung around and they gutted out a win over a team that, look, hey, Georgia Tech was picked by the media and the Almanac to be last in the ACC But it's still a Power 5 team that's still ranked in the top 120 or so of Ken Palm. And after they got bullied by Sam Houston State the other night, it was nice to see the running Utes face some adversity in a game and make plays down the stretch on the offensive and defensive side to win the game. I think that's an important lesson to learn early on in the season for this group. Gabe Madsen. I'll put him in the good, not great category. Obviously, you want to see him hit more than 1-3, but the fact that he still had 16 when he went 1-7 for seven from beyond the arc is pretty good and pretty encouraging. He had some good looks inside the arc, and he knocked them down. He attacked the basket. He was one of the few guys on the team that really did attack the basket. So, Gabe Madsen, good, not great, but still good. Ben Carlson continues to be solid in the front court for the running Utes. He led the team in rebounds with nine. Keita was awesome in this game. But Andrew, you say, he only played four minutes. That's true. But he made an impact. He had four points and two rebounds and really was a difference maker down low. And he could have had more. Georgia Tech wasn't even guarding him for stretches. And so... I think the more comfortable Keita gets in this offense and the more comfortable the guards get throwing him the ball and trusting him to make the right play, I think the more you're going to see him excel on this team as the season goes on. He also had like all five of his hands taped at the knuckles, so the intimidation factor was way, way high in this game for Keva Keita. There were no flop calls in this game, so again, a nice coaching adjustment by the players and the coach is there to just see that the refs aren't making those calls and making that adjustment, at least I hope. That's what I hope happened. And then after turning it over 18 times through the first 30 minutes of gameplay, they only turned it over once in the last 10 minutes of the game, which made a huge difference in terms of the outcome. Probably was the biggest thing that affected the outcome in this game. All right, let's get to the not-so-good. Well, let's start right there with the turnovers. 19 turnovers is just way too many. Now, some of that is Georgia Tech, right? They were very handsy. They got in passing lanes, and they really got out and defended the running utes. They got in their faces. I think we're starting to see this become the book on the running utes, right? If you get up in their faces, they get flustered. They don't know what to do, and they turn it over. Still, those turnovers really helped spark that Georgia Tech comeback in the first half, into the second half, All of those turnovers really, really impacted this game. The Yellow Jackets got 24 points off of the running Utes' turnovers. If they even cut those turnovers in half, we're probably not even talking about a game that gets closer than 10 in reality. Also, it was really equal opportunity turnovers. The starters accounted for 11, and the bench accounted for 8. So everybody contributed to the turnover party that was going on in Fort Myers on Monday night. They also only forced 5 turnovers. So if you're a Georgia Tech coach and you're watching the game replay and you forced 19 turnovers and you've only turned it over five times, you've got to be pulling your hair out at this one. This was another game where I really felt like they let the opposition defend them. And I've mentioned this before in previous games on the podcast, but Utah really let the defense dictate what they were going to do for a good portion of this game. They obviously got off to a hot start, Georgia Tech made an adjustment, and then Utah really didn't make an adjustment To some of that handsy play, again, some of that getting up in your face play that Georgia Tech did to make things difficult. Letting Georgia Tech back in it. Now, again, the Yellow Jackets had something to say about it. And as Michael Wilbon uh, likes to say, they've got guys over there on scholarship too. But when you've got a 24 to 4 lead, you've just got to keep getting after them. Make the refs make calls. Get into the bonus. Get their guys in foul trouble. Don't let up. And I really felt like. Because of the pressure, because of all of these other things, Utah really let up in the game. Mike Saunders only played six minutes. That was a bit of a head-scratcher. So I'm going to play some audio for Craig that may shed some light on that. But even so, against a quick athletic team, I would have thought that he would play more. I think the last two games have showed us where Gavin Baxter is going to be limited. With that knee injury and with the knee recovery, he's going to really struggle with some of his lateral movement against some more athletic bigs. Um, I'm not necessarily putting him in the bad court category, but I do think that that lateral movement is going to limit him at least early on. Will exact had a tough night, but Craig mentioned with either of the next two opponents on the horizon, they're going to need his physicality. He has had some bad turnovers in the last few games, but hopefully he can get that figured out because again, with Mississippi state on the horizon, a team with a lot of big guards, a lot of size, I think they're going to need that. Georgia tech was a little bit more slender, Will got a couple of bad offensive foul calls and other things like that that really kind of took him out of rhythm and I think probably frustrated the coaches a little bit as well. Even though they won the rebounding battle, they gave up 18 offensive rebounds to Georgia Tech, which I believe resulted in 11 points, including a couple of threes during that comeback in the first half. So you don't like to see that many offensive rebounds. And again, we're going to harp on this a little bit, but with who they've got on the horizon here with Mississippi State, the offensive rebounds are going to play a big role in the next game. I think that's about it on things that I didn't like. Obviously, in these small gyms, it can be a fun atmosphere. The crowd kind of got behind Georgia Tech for a bit there, and then a little bit for Utah after Utah went down. But all in all, they got the win, and they move on to the championship game. So that's fun for them. They'll play in their second straight championship game in an MTE. So how about that? Uh, Let me play some quick audio for you from the Bill Riley post-game interview with Craig Smith. I think this is going to shed some light on the rotation in this game and really why some guys didn't play as much as we thought they might. Well, you got to 18 turnovers about six minutes into the second half, and then you didn't turn it over again for about 10 minutes or so. So you you, you finally made that adjustment, and I think that's what allowed you to kind of start to come back a little bit. No doubt. Two things with that. One, we played different guys, more guys that are sure with the ball to make better decisions and we changed some of our zone attack which gave us just more movement working behind the zone and just got a lot easier receptions and a lot of good shots. All right so some interesting comments there from Craig about playing different guys quote guys that are more sure with the ball can make better decisions so clearly there are guys right now that have the trust of the coaching staff and guys that don't. It'll be interesting to see though if that theme continues in these, let's call them, higher-stakes games against Mississippi State, BYU, TCU, and into Pac-12 play. Speaking of Mississippi State, they're up next for the Runnin' Utes. We'll preview the Bulldogs right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Let me paint a picture for you. You walk into Thanksgiving dinner. Everyone's hugging you. They're happy to see you. And then they take a step back. Let me have a look at you. And there it is, your FlyFit tee, brand new, right off the rack and onto you. Oh my goodness, you look so good. Where did you get this? Oh, well, I got it at FlyFit tees. And then you can tell them. These are t-shirts designed to look good on anybody, including that dad bod of yours. They use a blend of ring-spun cotton and polyester that's super soft but not too thin. FlyFit tees also give shape. To their t-shirts, they're not boxy like some of those ones that you might get at a big box store. And they are high-end t-shirts that begin as low as 15 bucks each. These are t-shirts that you can wear to Thanksgiving dinner or around the house. And I've even been told that my FlyFit tee looks good on me. All orders ship within 24 hours directly from their headquarters in Colorado. And there's plenty of Run and Utes Red in their inventory. They've got the best discount that they're doing just for the listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code Hoops at checkout for 30% off. That's right, 30% off. Or you can go directly to flyfitteas.com slash hoops. Again, that website, run slash hoops. All right, well, for the second consecutive season, the Utes are playing for an MTE championship, and they will take a big step up in weight class in this one, taking on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Mississippi State got to the title game by outlasting Marquette 58-55 in front of a very pro Marquette crowd, by the way. So I think that this will actually be a nice even matchup in this one. No Marquette folks. Georgia Tech folks were a little bit more, but it should be a fun atmosphere nonetheless. The Bulldogs were led by Eric Reed Jr., who was a transfer from Southeast Missouri. He had 15 points in what was really a breakout game for him. He came into the game just averaging just three points per game in previous games. They also got a dozen from Deshaun Davis, who transferred in from Oregon State. Davis had 13 points against the running Utes in the win in Corvallis last year. But here's the guy I want to get to, Tolu Smith. Smith is a 6'11", 245-pound senior who had just seven points but pulled down six rebounds and handed out six assists. He has been the Bulldogs' leading scorer in every game this season and is also the leading rebounder for the team at 8.5 per game. He is going to be a problem for Utah down low. DJ Jeffries is another name to watch, a 6'7", 225, forward, who had a rough outing against Barquette, but has still been very talented and productive this season, and then Cameron Matthews is another guard, 6'7", who had 7 points and 7 boards against the Golden Eagles in this in this game. This Mississippi State team is big and physical, and they will defend you, so the running Utes are really going to have to be on their game to beat these guys. They out-rebounded Marquette 42-30, to so that is going to be an area of focus for this game, and they only shot 52% from the free throw line, so that could be an area of weakness to exploit, you know, down the stretch if Utah's trying to make a comeback or whatever. Now we saw how that worked out when I said that about Sam Houston, so don't take my word for it on on that one. One last thing: they shot 43% from three point land, so Utah is really going to have to put some emphasis in getting hands and faces. The old hand down, man down applies here. Mississippi State is coached by Chris Jans who had success at New Mexico State and is 5-0 to start this season. Marquette was by far the biggest win for the Bulldogs this year, but they also got a win over Akron, a top 100 Ken Palm team, beat them by 20, and in their on-campus game, they handled our good friend Eric Peterson and the Yotes of South Dakota. They are currently ranked 26th in Ken Palm and would be the running Utes' highest-ranked non-conference opponent on the schedule as of now because of the downfall of TCU and what BYU has done this year. Speaking of Ken Palm, he gives this one to Mississippi State, 67-61. to 61. I suspect that Mississippi State is going to be probably a 5-8 to eight point favorite in this one when the line does come out. But again, very good to see the Utes bounce back. It'll be interesting to see how they match up against a team that is probably more in line with the top of the conference in terms of athleticism and physicality and it'll be fun to see how they do hopefully they'll be able to keep it close and hey maybe they'll be able to even pull out the win all right let's take a quick spin around the Pac-12 MTE situation so far Arizona State beat Michigan to capture the Legends Classic I think I mentioned that on the last podcast Colorado finishes one and two in the Myrtle Beach Invitational winning its second game but losing to Boise State and UMass. So they're now 3-3 three and three on the year. And again, they've got that big win over Tennessee, but they're 3-3 three and three on the season. UCLA got swept in its MTE by Illinois and Baylor, which led to some spicy post-game audio from Mick Cronin. I will play that for you probably on the next podcast episode. Arizona is currently the lone unbeaten team in the league after, wait, let me check my notes on this. Two weeks of the regular season, they beat Cincinnati to open up the Maui Invitational, and now San Diego State awaits the Wildcats. That's going to be a fun matchup if you can stay up late for it in Maui. In non-MTE action, Oregon lost a home game to Houston 66-56. They are now 2-2 and will take on UConn in the Phil Knight Invitational starting on Thanksgiving Oregon State, likewise, lost to Portland State, 79-66. They now get Duke in their opening round matchup of the Phil Knight Legacy on Thanksgiving. And as I mentioned before, if you are the religious type, you may want to pray for Oregon State in that one. Stanford bounced back from two straight losses and beat Cal Poly, 80-43. They also play on Thanksgiving to kick off the ESPN Events Invitational against Ole Miss in Orlando USC beat Mount St. Mary's and now has won three in a row since the opening night loss to Florida Gulf Coast. BYU is up next. For the Trojans, Washington lost at home to Cal Baptist 74-63. They'll set their sights on Fresno State on Wednesday to kick off the Wooden Legacy. And finally, Washington State beat Eastern Washington in a neutral site game in Spokane to get to 2-2. Their MTE is not until Christmas, so they get Detroit Mercy at home before next going to Oregon, and then hosting the running Utes on December 4th. And of course, a huge shout out to the Utah women's team who won its first game in the Bahamas beating Alabama 93-86. Gianna Niepkins had 21 points in that one, and they moved up to 17 in the AP poll, so very nice start for the Lady Utes. But, That is going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. I want to thank you, as always, for listening. You can follow us on Twitter, at Running Hoops. You can rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. And, of course, you can contribute to the podcast, at Running Hoops, on Venmo. I apologize if there were any audio issues or for some of the herky-jerky nature of this. This is my on-location situation that I have here in Fort Myers. But until next time... I'm Andrew Crowley, live from Fort Myers, this is the Running Hoops Podcast, and as always, go Utes, hashtag own the fort.